0: Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Does anyone know what rest means? What is rest? Yeah. To be what? Still. Okay. To go to sleep. Yeah. To be at Peace. What else to relax, relax. kick back and shut down. What? Okay. To do something you love. I would agree with that. Jesse to lay down. Okay. I want to ask you this. I want to put this to you. When is the first time we hear the term rest in scripture? Right. Right. On the seventh day, God rested. It's Genesis 1, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Okay? I think. No, it's after that. Two or three. Somewhere in chapter two, maybe. Okay? I don't know. The numbers were put there by man, not God, so I'm not uh, accountable for those. All right? I know it's in there. Jesus never once said a chapter and verse. He just said, it is written, and he was right. Okay? Okay? Please, the numbers weren't even there. There wasn't even a book, people. still the Word of God. Do you understand this? So on the seventh day, God rested. Now, what do you think that means? Was He tired? I mean, He just created the whole universe, people. That's a lot of work. You think God was tired? Heck no. God was not tired. He was not worn out. He didn't need a nap. He didn't need to check out and turn His brain off. What God did on the seventh day after he said, it is good, 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 it is good. And you, his prized creation, were the last of it. Women, you completed it. It was like the only time he said it's not good is after he created man. Just saying, girls. And then he's like, it's not good. Let's make woman. That's good. It's in the Bible. Sorry, guys. Anyway. It's completion. You complete me. Anyway, this is truth. This is, I know the girls are like, yeah, I like that guy. What he's preaching. It's in the Bible people. Okay. So God rested on the seventh day. And I believe with all my heart, what rest means when God's the rest that God talks about the rest that we hear through scripture is not checking out and quitting because you're tired. The rest of God is the fullness of faith that says, I can confidently sit back and trust what's been put in motion. God sat back and said, it's good. And on the seventh day, he didn't go like, jump over and make another planet while he rested or like do something else or go on vacation. He sat back and watched the beauty of what he had put into place. The stars in motion, the trees growing and the wind blowing and birds chasing each other and squirrels. And like, if you watch nature, it's like, whoa, like, do you ever do this? I love watching squirrels chase each other on trees. What's really good is when squirrels are chasing each other on a tree and a bird gets involved This used to happen in Arizona all the time. Like it was like a highlight. These birds will dive bomb and knock squirrels out of a tree 20 feet up. Because the squirrels are like, and a bird comes by. Boom, squirrel. Boom, on the floor. He goes right back to the tree, back up. Like, guys, that is the rest of God. To look upon creation and what God has done. To look upon your life and see what God has begun in you. Because he who began a good work in you will finish it. What in the world? Guys, rest is a place of faith. When you can lean back, some of you said to lay down. Yes. I heard Billy Graham I've been listening to all these Billy Graham teachings. I got all these little nugget things that he says. Some of it's like really like, and you shall, you know, all that kind of stuff. But some of the things that he pulls out are so cool. He said he met this guy who was translating the Bible in a foreign country, and he lived in this village for like two years to, to learn their language enough to translate the whole Bible, or maybe three years, I don't know how long it was. And he said he couldn't figure out how to translate the word faith. He said, I don't know. I don't know what their culture would have. Like, if you were going to go to another culture, like, how would you define faith if they didn't know the word faith? And so for, like, months, he was pouring over this. He's like, God, I don't know how to do this. And one day, he's walking through the camp, and this dude in the village is a dude, okay, is on this crazy contraption of bamboo and reeds and all this stuff, and it was stuck in the ground, like these long bamboo things, and it just stuck out at an angle, and the guy is like laying back on it, but the upper, t- upper part was totally free, and it just bounced. It was like a, I'm like, I'm going to build one of those. That sounds awesome. And it was this like, cover, and the guy is laying totally just back on it, just resting in the afternoon, just taking a break. And the guy goes, and he's like, he goes and asks him, what is it that you're doing right now? And essentially the equivalent is they called it reclining. It was like how they would have said what he was doing, but what he was doing was putting his full and complete life and trust in this bamboo contraption thing going like, I'm good. And he was experiencing a certain level of rest in a place of not going like, oh my gosh, what if it breaks? What if it breaks? What if it breaks? How many of you know that's not rest? How many of you love heights? Love it? Yeah. Anybody hate heights? Anybody like ziplines in Guatemala, really not a fan of that whole realm way up there. Listen, some people like some of you cannot experience rest up there. I was a total piece on those zip lines. I will be honest with you. 'Cause I I worked at a zip line like ropes course thing in high school and I'd been around these harnesses and I would like I worked the zipline at you know at a camp in Arizona and every day at the end of my shift on the platform I got to go down, you know. And so I had gotten to such I remember the first time I went up there, I was like, oh, oh gosh, you know, hold me, hold me you know. And you like scoot off, you're like, ah, ah there's no rest in that place at all. But I had done it so many times that I literally would flying squirrel off this platform. I would go all the way to the back of this tiny little platform around a tree, 30 feet up. It was tiny. When the wind blew, it would go like two feet each way. I did not care one bit. I'd go to the very back, and I would literally, like, get the ropes tucked behind me, and I'd just, like, boom, jump out. Because, like, our zipline hung, and then it caught. So if you jumped out far enough, you actually free fell for a certain distance till it t- caught you. Oh, it was like, Wah! I'd jump off and... I'll be honest, there's a little bit of showing off in there because all the campers that just went through and were like, "Uh, uh, uh," you know, I I got the very end of like, "Ah!" you know, and it was just, but it, that to me was a total amount of rest. I never was going, I hope the rope doesn't break. Do you get this? Rest comes in a place of trusting and understanding that you're going to be okay. I want to encourage you that rest is a reality for your everyday life and can be in a place where you have come to know the Lord, to know him and rest upon his goodness and his faithfulness for your life. The first time I went down a zip line, okay, <laughs> like, hey, it wasn't that the ropes and the harness weren't safe. It's that I didn't know they were safe. But the more I got to know, the more experience I had, the more opportunity I gave to those ropes and that harness to carry me through something, I would have been dead if not for a secure rope and harness. Am I right? Like, or at least very broken. There's no grass in Arizona. It's just rocks. Whack, okay? Do you understand? It took a certain level of me growing to know to a place like every time I jump off this platform, this thing's going to catch me. Can I tell you that like canvas like, or whatever, nylon straps and woven ropes are nowhere near as certain as the goodness of God? Like those ropes eventually will wear out, break and ruin, but I still could put a certain confident faith in that thing. None of you go to get in the car in the morning And go crawl underneath and just make sure everything's still connected. You, like, you exercise such great and, like, amazing, like, rest. How many of you crash out and sleep in the back of the car after, like, you got a soccer tournament, basketball tournament, something, and you're driving back from somewhere and you're just like, do you realize what that car could do? How are you sleeping? The wheels could fall off. That tractor trailer coming at you six feet away could just come across the line. How could you rest? Look at me. This is what the world does and says when they look at a Christian and say, how are you at peace? With all that's going on, with all that could happen, with all of this, how can you be resting right now? And you simply say, I know. Who carries me? I know who carries me. My trust is in the God who has proven himself for thousands of years to be a faithful God. Now, does that mean the situation never looks scary or shaky? I'm telling you, every single opportunity that God puts before you, and I say opportunity And I include every crisis, every tragedy, every challenge, every something that comes up at your face has been permitted by God, not caused, but allowed by God to come before you as an invitation to trust Him further. Okay? Every single one. Some of you, I love the zip lines in Guatemala. The first one was like, I don't know, was it like from here to the end of the room? It was like, wussy one. You know, like some of you were terrified by that. The next one, we did 11 in a row, increasingly longer, increasingly higher, increasingly bigger. But by the time you got to that last Superman one, most of you had gotten over the, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You were like, wow, that's a long way down. But I know that at least the ropes work. There's, there is always going to be another challenge for your heart to grab a hold of the goodness and faithfulness of God. There always will be. So if you're expecting this, I signed up with God and now my life is just going to ride easy. I'm going to take a nap till Jesus returns and we get raptured or all that whatever is going to happen. Seriously, people think this in their minds. They're like, God, I signed up for peace. No, peace is not... Necessarily, what you see, it's what you experience when you set your faith in the one you said you put your faith in. Do you get this? You said, I put my faith in you, Jesus, as my Savior, when you prayed the prayer, or whatever that moment was when you said, Jesus, you're what I want. I put my trust and my faith and my life in your hands. But if that doesn't live out in your day-to-day life and you live every day terrified and in fear that all the hell's going to break loose and the world's going to crash down over your shoulders, you have not put your faith in him fully. I'm not trying to bring condemnation like, oh, you suck. Okay, I didn't say that. I said there is place for you to say, God, I need to put my faith in you once again. And that is every opportunity he puts in front of you. I told you that today. I was like, oh, man, I remember, like, the first time Marcy and I ever fasted. Guy, we were like, we're going to fast for financial breakthrough, you know, like, because that's one of those things you fast for when you have no money and you can't survive. You're like, hey, look, if we don't eat, that'll save money. (laughs) And and the Bible says that when you fast, things happen, okay? So we're just going to starve ourselves and pray, and it's going to be really powerful. And the very first day on our fast, I was working here at Life Center like the first year here. And, um, her sister's car was having trouble driving funny, like kind of like, you know, having some, and I was like, you know what? I bet it needs new spark plugs. I can do that. That's like the simplest car job ever. Like one tool required. Very simple. Okay. So I said, pull go get the stuff, pull it up to church under the drive-thru out front and I'll go ahead and I'll swap out your spark plugs. Cause it sounds like something might be missing on one cylinder. Okay. So she pulls up, we do this. And while I was doing the spark plugs, I accidentally bumped something and some screws that held the one plate fell down around like underneath the engine and onto the ground. And I was like, oh, geez. So I get underneath and I find three out of the four screws. The fourth one I figured had just gotten stuck somewhere down on one of the pans or something. It was like all it did was hold this cover on. So I was like, you know what? Not a big deal. So I finished putting all the spark plugs in the back and, together and the whole thing and go ahead start it up soon as she starts it, in the engine, there was a screw had fallen down in the little hole where the spark plug goes. This big a hole, like a mirror. Like, how does that happen? And that's where the cylinder is that goes up and down to, like, run the engine. And that screw just went and tore holes all up in the cylinder. All of a sudden, there's oil dripping out of the exhaust pipe, which is not supposed to happen. You Remember this, Mars? Yeah, yeah. Right, but you remember the call. I was like, "Uh, Mars, you know that financial breakthrough thing that we're going for? Oh, man, God will test your limits. There was a Saab, by the way, which are not cheap cars or engines. They're German, right? I think that's a German car, right? Yeah. Swedish, almost as good as German. Anyway, um, it's a really nice car, expensive. So we get it towed over to the dealership to get the quote. And in the meantime, I'm like, oh, gosh. So I call my insurance company, and I go, hey, yeah, this is what happened, and I'm just curious if any of my insurance might cover this. And she goes, well, was it at your house? I said, no. She said, well, then your homeowner's insurance can't cover it. And I said, okay, great. She says, is it your car? I said, nope. She goes, well, then your auto insurance can't cover it. It's like super. She's like, but, you know, like, I'm just going to go ahead and put this through and see what the company does with it. The next call I get from them is, can you send us the invoice for the $2,200 engine replacement? And I was like, yes, I can send you that invoice. Like anything you can help with. Because at this point we're expecting our financial breakthrough is a financial breakdown. Okay, Like real spot. Like, God, are you kidding me? How dare you? Next thing I know, they send a full payment check back to cover the entire engine and it didn't even blip my insurance rates like zero effect i don't to this day know what happened there because it didn't affect my insurance it didn't any of this stuff like god was like i am curious how serious you are about fasting just curious and i don't believe that was a test i believe that was an invitation to say why are you fasting Are you fasting because you think that if you do some act and do something and you test God and work him like a slot machine that candy's going to pop out? Or are you doing a fast because you believe that you can trust me? Because I think there was the part of us that was like, we're going to fast. And part of the fast is to be really financially, we're going to make sure we make good decisions and we're going to, ta ta and God is going, stop. It is not your effort that moves my hand. It is not your great achievements that get God excited. It is your heart that says, God, I just believe that you are who you are. And when it doesn't look like I expect it to, I'm going to wait to see you explode through this situation. Guys, everything that comes into your life is an invitation. And the invitation is simply this. Do you know me? Because that was a moment where God, like, if I could go back, God was ringing in the back of my head, do you know me? Because I was in freak out mode. $2,200, you've got to be, God, come on. The question right there is, do you know me? Do you know the God that I am? The God that, like, remember the Israelites, like a million people out of Egypt, Red Sea, that's amazing. I believe with all my heart that everything that comes at your life that feels like an attack, that feels like God doesn't like you, that feels like God is just leaving you out and leaving you abandoned is an invitation to say, do you know me? Because that's the call of scripture throughout. Do you know that going to church does not get you saved? Going to church actually doesn't get you closer to God. Reading your bible does not actually get you closer to god. You could memorize the whole bible and not be any closer to god. This is scandalous in church to say this stuff. Cuz guess what? Satan, I said this Sunday, Satan knows the bible better than you do. And he is not as close to god as you are. Do you hear me? You don't go encounters don't get you saved. You can come here every Wednesday and every Friday, every retreat that we ever do. You can hit the floor, weep and cry, and then refuse the invitation that was just put to you from the Lord. Do you understand that encounters do not save you? Encounters do not put you closer in proximity to God. They're invitations to say, I'm real. Will you come and know me? And yes, they should turn into transformations in your life. Because at the moment when you're like, oh my gosh, God is real, your heart is then compelled to know, I have to know more about who he is. And that should affect the next day that you live your life. Not causing you to do more good things and more good deeds, but simply pressing into a place of like rest. Not trying, believing. It's like this weird mix of words. Do you get this? believing that God is actually in your corner and really does want to see you succeed. And sometimes that comes by testing. Really funny scriptures. Jesus gets baptized. He was really obedient to the Father, right? He's supposed to get baptized, you know. And then it's so powerful a moment, Jesus gets baptized, that the skies open up. A dove comes down and rests on Jesus' head, and God's voice comes out of the crowd, and everyone hears it. God's voice out of the sky, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The next verse, and the spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's like, God, I thought you were pleased. Do you see that? Do you see the pattern that God took his own son and said, I'm so pleased with you. I'm going to take you into the wilderness to know my heart and to trust me even more. That was, he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. Can you hear me? If you feel like you've been drugged out into the wilderness, beaten, left for dead, and abandoned, God might be there waiting for you to say, God, here I am. Not, why did you do this to me? Like, that's always our first excuse. God, I thought I did all the right things. Jesus could be like, I just got baptized. Hello? Hello? You're going to drag me out here, and I get a face-to-face with the devil for 40 days with no food and water? Like, thanks, God. It's like the best dad ever. (laughs) Like, God, you won the championship. I'm going to drag you out, park you in the forest with no food and water for 40 days, and there'll be a guy hunting you. So proud of you, buddy. (laughs) Like, do you see that God is not... Against you. He took his son out there to conquer. Because what happened the minute Jesus came out of the wilderness? Do you know? Miracles. 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 Three solid years of what we see in Scripture. And it says, if all the good things that Jesus did were recorded, the world would not have room enough for the books. We have a slight slice of what Jesus did in three years, and it's staggering. 40 days in the wilderness because God was pleased with him, not because God was punishing him. It's a perspective to look at your life. Whatever the situation you're up against, right now there is rest available to you. Jesus never got worried in the wilderness. Do you know this? God never got worried about Jesus in the wilderness. How many of you can remember the last time God got worried? Do you remember where that is in Scripture, where he got really freaked out and worried? Anybody remember that verse? I don't either. It's not there. He's not worried. He is excited about where you're going and where he's directed your life. And he's excited about the wilderness you might be walking in because he's saying, guess what's happening after this? You don't see it yet. He does. So I'm challenging your hearts to take every opportunity to know him better. I want to make sure I cover this little thing. Your Bible's important. It will not save you, but it's crazy important. I said this Sunday morning. It's like the invitation to the party. Okay? If uh, Josh sends me a birthday invitation in the mail, and I open it up, and I go, Marcy, Josh came in the mail. That's weird. But guess what? If I don't open it, if I don't read it, I won't know he asked me to come to a place he's prepared to know him more. Chuck E. Cheese. Hallelujah. Right? Do you see how this works? God did not give you the Bible to save you. He sent you an invitation into an encounter with his face to know him so well that you can rest every day of your life, regardless of the wilderness or the mountaintop or the valley or the pit. Peace is what God brings. So yes, is going to church important. Uh Uh-huh. You're invited into something, but this doesn't save you. I don't save you. This is not, this can become an idol. Do you know this? Coming to youth group every week can actually replace God's position in your heart. You can actually worship this and not the one we're here to worship. You can come here solely to meet up with friends and hang out, and that's not all bad except if it's more in your heart than knowing God. Religious things can be super idolatrous, like super-duper doing religious things and then go like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church and I read my Bible and I go to prayer meetings. Six hours, Friday night. So saved. It's ridiculous. No. Prayer meetings are an encounter to know God more, to hear his voice. You go to them, not because you're obligated. There's nothing worse than going to a prayer meeting that you have to go to. I struggle with this at times. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have prayer so often. It's like, sometimes I don't feel like it. But every single time I go and I enter into, like I'm here for an hour. I'm going to pray. I'd be stupid not to. Every time God floods my mind with these ideas, these thoughts, these concepts, like how he breathes and how he acts and how he thinks and, Man, if you've only ever been to boring prayer meetings, it's probably because you came bored. It wasn't God. That was boring. Do you hear me? I'm like I'm poking you for this. I'm really poking you. It's like, ooh. and I've done plenty of prayer meetings. Bored. I really have. None of them were God's fault. I've come to that recognition now. And praying for an hour is terrifying. Until you do it, And then you're like, whoa, that's actually not bad. And then six hours isn't like, oh, wow, you're super spiritual. It's like, no, I just got six hours to know God. None of you would argue with a six-hour hangout with your friends. Why? Because you got to know them better in it. Am I right? You spend time with your friends. You're going to know them better when you leave. That's just plain and simple. We ask to know God more but refuse to spend time with him. But we go to church. That isn't spending time with God unless you are. Do you hear me? It's an intentional effort. You can come here every Wednesday and worship the devil. And no one may know the difference. But do you know him more when you walk out of this room? Is up to you, not me. I can, I can preach the worst sermon in history. And you could know God better at the end of the night. If your heart comes saying, God, I want to meet you. I want to know you. What are you like? Speak to my heart. Or you can come going, I hope I get filled. I hope I get fed tonight. Man, Ben was boring tonight. I don't know why I even came to church. God, I hope you don't come for me. I mean, I hope you kind of like me. but. But I hope you don't come to church and think that hearing Ben or Josh preach is getting you closer to God. It's what your heart does to the Lord as we may speak and say things that strike you to the heart. And you go like, whoa, God, teach me like what you're like. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. How awkward is it to go to a place to someone's house that you don't know at all? Anybody like hate that? I've done a few weddings for people that I kind of like I know the bride or groom pretty well. And I go to the wedding, and I do the ceremony, and then I go to the reception. I'm like, this is weird. You know, like, I'm the pastor. I actually have a role there. And I still am like, who am I going to sit with at the reception? I don't know anyone. It's a weirdness. Do you understand this? Like, that's bizarre to go to a place you don't know someone. Heaven might be really weird if you don't know him before you get there. You're called into relationship now with God, and that's totally your option. But I challenge you not to chase the idols of religion. It's really easy to be a church kid and get very used to doing the religious stuff and calling that relationship with God and actually not know him at all. That's scary to me. And I've been there. I spent a lot of years believing that I could be the most right and that would put me in a good position with God a lot of years because I grew up in a far more religious environment than this that was very much about do I know a lot about God? Can I answer all the questions? Can I argue better than everyone else? Can I this? Do I have a good theology? Can I mark the verse that covers this? And I was big about this. Guess what? I've gotten pretty set free from that. Still working on parts of it. I still try to be too right too often. I've gotten set free from that, but guess what? It has not in any way decreased my passion to know more about God's word and about him. I'm just doing it because I want to know him, not because I want to be right. There's a big difference. Because then it's, who's the center of your world? When you pray to God and say, God, I need you to move, and I need you to do this, and I need you to act, and I need you to do this, and he doesn't do it like you say, and you get mad and blame him. Like, God, you didn't hear my prayers. What's wrong with you? If he did it all exactly how you commanded him, then who is God? God. And who's the servant? God is not supposed to do it the way you command him. He's supposed to hear your request and do it in the way that is best for your life, for your future, and for your health. One of the best country songs of all time. Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Because there are things that I prayed in my younger years, that if God would have answered them, they would have destroyed my life. I can see them clearly. I think most of our leaders could say the same. Oh, man, there were people I prayed, God, let me marry them. Please. No, seriously, I was like, God, I hope that's my wife. I'm so glad he didn't give me that one because I would have missed the really good one I got. She's not here. She went to get the kids, but... Do you hear this? We pray prayers that we expect God to deliver on what we ask as we ask, and we get mad if he doesn't do it our way. One step back in history and you go, whoa, God, you really helped me out by saying no to the very thing I thought I desperately needed in a season where I just didn't totally have a full picture. This is so true in the relationship realm and all of this, it's like we vie for things and take position and like oh I got to get noticed by him or her or this and oh I've got to date them and I've got to oh my like, have you asked God about doing it or have you taken command of your ship and said no God I asked you to take this part of my life but I'm going to run my relationships because I know she's for me take it up have you asked his permission have you said God can I date them would it draw my heart close to you to date that person? I know it's almost February. We got to touch on this. No. I'm, do you hear me? I had no plan of talking about this. I promise. But hear me. Have you asked God's permission to chase after that person? Cuz they're so cute, and that's what God values most. And here's the question. If you say yeah, I asked God, if he would have said no, would you have listened? You know if he says no. (laughs) Because sometimes his voice sounds like your parents, first off. Oh, snap. Do you hear me? Don't ask God questions if you're not willing to receive the answer. Like it or not. Don't ask him a question if the answer you want is only one. And you'll only take one as him. You're just going to, you've put yourself at the top of the food chain. And you've said, no, I'm God, and God is obligated to answer my questions as I have dictated them to him. That's a super displaced reality, and if you want to play God in your life, good luck with that. You hear me? So I want to I want to encourage you. I don't know how to take, I don't know how to, like, land this thing, but I hope your hearts are going like... <gasps> There's something in God that I need to pursue. And I don't want you to do some religious thing of like, okay, fine, I'll do that. Like, no, I want you to say, God, I want to know you because you've invited me into something greater than what I know so far. So stand up. We're going to do a religious thing. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Standing is not religious unless you're going to be religious about it. Look at me. Look at me. Hold on, some of you feel like you're in wilderness right now. alone, abandoned, starving, thirsty, and miserable. And by the way, you're being hunted. okay? Jesus can relate. Can I tell you this? This I know a super Christiany thing to say. Jesus actually walked that road, abandoned, alone, hungry, tired, thirsty. And being hunted. And what God had for him was an invitation to know him. To draw near. To wrap up in the arms of God. Not so that he could survive the wilderness. So that he could actually thrive in the wilderness. Do you know that in the hellish parts of your life, you can actually fly? And not just, I'm just going to make it through. Like God is so much better than that. But in the hell of life the, quote, hell-ish parts of life, the wilderness of life, you can lay down and rest in the arms of God and actually trust Him. How do you know you're actually trusting Him? You stop trying so hard to do it all yourself. It's really hard in American culture. We're very independent. I got this. I got this. Who Who do you lean on around you? Go like, man, I need help here. I need guidance. Do you actually... Wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm laying in your arms today. Take me through this. And watch him move in faith. You can't just be like, God, you better show up and make that bully. Leave me alone today. He might actually have that bully meet you at the door of school and make your life miserable and say, bless him. Well, that's different. He just might tell you to hand him 20 bucks and say, look, I just want to give you this because God told me it would help you out. I mean, no, no, that's no. Yeah, that's the kind of thing God does. But what if what if what if I need the twenty bucks? Trust God. I'm serious. What if what if open oh, up, but, but then I can't buy lunch? Like, you don't think God can get you lunch? And if you don't get lunch, maybe he wants you to fast. And pray for the bully that you gave twenty bucks. Like the radical things and how like you want an adventure with your life? I think you do. Ask God to make you do crazy things and then try them. Sounds like fun. Am I right? So put your hands up. God, I thank you for every one of these students. I thank you for their lives right now. I thank you for the wilderness, God. I thank you for the attacks. I thank you for the peace that some are experiencing right now. God, I thank you for every season that's represented in this room right now, God. And I thank you that regardless of where they are and what they're experiencing, God, that you are right there next to them, inviting them in to know how good you are and that you will carry them through this. God, I bless them tonight. I pray your spirit would rest upon them as they sleep tonight, God. That true supernatural rest would be expressed in them in their bedrooms tonight, God. God, I pray a dependence on you would be the only mark of this generation. A knowing that you're good, so good they can dive off the platform of any situation and know the ropes and the harness will carry them and the joy that they experience in knowing you, walking with you beyond the crazy Will bless their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.